admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. Bonjour, Monsieur Bond. Where's 007? I think he's attempting re-entry, sir. My God, what's Bond doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Well, tell him to pull out. Immediately. Can I do something for you, Mr. Bond? A martini, shaken, not stirred. Hang on, James. The thought had occurred to me. Looking for shells? No, I'm just looking. You have a nasty habit of surviving. What they say about the fittest. Do you lose as gracefully as you win? I wouldn't know. I've never lost. No more foreplay. to another episode of Bond Backwards, back at it again with these episodes. My name is Anders Holmes, and I'm joined by my brother, Adam, over Skype, uh, not Skype, over Zoom in uh, America. Zoom Raker. <laughs> Classic. Um, hello. Um, it's, it's that time of day again where we talk about Roger Moore Bond point. movies, and I can't believe that we still have four to go. Um, yeah, it is it is a trial, but you know I think this film will be fun to talk about, more fun to talk about than Octopussy and View to a Kill. Um, yeah, because it has got some good features despite yeah. being broadly very very stupid. Yeah, I feel like with this film, it's not it, it's entertaining. It's not as bad as people make it out to be or anything like that. It is silly. I mean, it, I mean, it came a year after Star Wars, and then everyone at, you know, at Cubby Broccoli's office was like, you know, what we should do, we should jump on that and make like a space movie with Bond, because that might put bums in seats and stuff. Because sci-fi is in it right now, I guess. And uh, I know it's so it's so lame when you when you look back at that era, and there's yeah. so much like space nonsense is being made, and so much of it is just utter crap. Um, and that's and it's so it's so interesting how that works, you know, when something unanticipated comes along, becomes a huge hit, and then everyone's quickly like, "Oh, how can we, how can we, you know, repeat this success?" And it's like, well, the reason why it was a hit is because it came out of nowhere. I mean, Star Wars was a throwback to the, you know, to the fifties, uh, yeah. to samurai movies and and TV specials of the nineteen fifties. Jaws was as again this throwback to the creature features of the fifties and early sixties. You know, you're, you're not. You can't just. You can't just manufacture this kind of um, instant, instantaneous success unless, of course, you then continue to make Star Wars movies, in which case you guarantee income. But um, Moonraker, Moonraker, Moonraker. I mean, should we just should we just deal with the space stuff first? Yeah, I feel like everything. I think everything. I feel like one of the things about Moonraker that I noticed when watching it again fairly recently is that it's trying to copy the formula of Spy Who Loved Me because it, it begins in, you know, in the same sort of way. Like the, the pre-credit sequence is just, 
it's just a rehash of the pre-credit sequence in, in the in pre-credit sequence in Spy Who Loved Me, and it's like they're trying to do the formula again, but adding in a sci-fi element to it, and like all the stuff leading up to the space stuff is fine. Hugo Drax is an okay villain. Um, yeah. Um, I genuinely feel Hugo Drax is the Elon Musk of the James Bond universe. Yeah, 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 big time. I mean, he's 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 way more sinister now than yeah. perhaps he might have been back then. Um, no, I agree. I agree. It's it's before the rockets actually launch. I mean, this is the jumping of the shark for me. I mean, this is why I wanted to start on this because I think this film jumps the shark when it has us actually go into space and then have us use laser guns. Yeah. Because it's that, like, at that point, you're just like, okay, well, this is just a bad Star Wars movie. And with Roger fucking Moore in it. And, um, and that's just not, um, it, it, just, it just doesn't, um, it doesn't hold up at all. What I think, if you want to do the space thing, you know, you could, we've already had plots about, you know, we've had, we've had, we've had You Only Live Twice, we've had Doctor No, where it's about, well, Doctor No is about missile toppling, that's different. But, it, you know, You Only Live Twice, a lot of that takes place in space, but it's, you know, Bond it's doesn't actually in, go there. It's and, grounded in reality, that, that, that. Yeah. In 1978, like, only about, what, a couple of dozen people had ever even fucking been to space, let alone, like, gone out there to shoot lasers at each other. Like, it's just... It just is how they were able to get a city in space and build no, it, no, exactly. Like, it's too much, it's too much. Like, no, 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 no. Um, and it, it, it is a cow turn that lands on this film. Um, it, it just makes it, it makes it so stupid. There are lots of other things going on in this film that are worthy of, um, yeah, you know, of applause. I think for a start, the um. The introduction of Drax and all that stuff in that manor house that's made to look like Versailles is so interesting, and um, the way that they kill that woman with the dogs is that, genuinely brutal and scary. That, that, that freaked me out when I was a kid watching that scene. I mean, they yeah, yeah, like, yeah they that's not—they're not playing around. Yeah, I mean, they don't have to show the woman being eaten by the dogs. That you know, your imagination is left in that, and then it, camera pans up and it's like, ah, oh, we're in Venice. <laughs> it's happy. But still, it's like, fucking hell, a woman just got torn apart by dogs like, like just a few seconds ago. But I think, I think you're, I mean, to, to go right back to the beginning, I think the pre-credit sequence of this film basically tells you everything you need to know yeah. um, about what this film is going to be like because you get a sequence on an airplane, there's a fight, they fall out of the airplane and Bond gets the parachute off the guy, right? Yeah, and Jaws, Richard Keel is back. Well, that's it, that's right. So, so far, so good. And then Jaws appears. And you're like, where the fuck has Jaws been? How did he get into the plane without being- yeah, he is not fitting in that onboard toilet on that tiny plane. Yeah. So where does he come from? He's just sprung out of nowhere. He jumps out of the plane, there's a big fight, and Bond gets his parachute back. Yeah. And Jaws falls. Where does Jaws fall? He falls into a circus. Now, we've already talked about circuses with fucking octopusy, but this is the Jaws falling out of a plane that he couldn't have possibly got onto into a circus tent yeah. is the metaphor for this movie. Because you've got otherwise what is a decent pre credit sequence of like, yeah. you know, great, great stunts of genuine peril, um, yada, yada, yada. And then it's ruined by a stupid, like, it's ruined by the cubby broccoli tendency to be like, 
what this film needs is clowns and zebras and you know it's like no no calm down because he, he's a showman he's a he's a ringmaster and that he can't resist throwing all this shit at the wall and everyone loved jaws and spy who loved me and we'll come to that in our next episode but he's a great character in spy who loved me yeah yeah rich so like, let's bring him back yeah. but they bring him back in this cuddly way they bring him back like he's 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 like um he turns into this like sort of comedy figure and he's 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 like Darth Vader, he's he's a good guy, masquerading as a bad guy kind of thing. No. Yeah. But then they pair him off with like a small lady with you know pippy long stocking hair and glasses, and it's I don't know. Odd. I mean Lord knows that's cute and all. I yeah. think the bit I I think you have to have a heart of steel not to chuckle in that scene where he is in the cable car and yeah they meet each other for the first time i mean there are parts where there are parts of me where i just this like hard-hearted attitude i have to some of the roger moore stuff like some of it actually works in this film like there are bits where the cuddliness of jaws starts to work but again they go too far Mm. i think the cable car is a really good idea like i mean it's like he he's He's becoming less scary the more we get to know him, a bit like the Jaws in in, in um, Spielberg's film. Yeah. And so, so the best thing to do then is to take some of the threat away and maybe neutralize him by having him, you know, in, suffer all these um, accidents which he does. I mean, that happens in The Spy Who Loved Me too. So it feels like that's within the parameters of what you can do. And um, and then but then they go to space and he brings the woman with him and it's just like it doesn't make any sense and it's not it's just stupid so the whole the whole thing um the whole film is torpedoed by this um um by this tendency to go too far and to go ultimately to space the venice sequence as well venice is used really well i love the um close encounters reference uh, with the um <laughs> Uh, yeah, with the keypad, yeah. um, and then you get the the brilliant attempt to kill Bond with the guy in the coffin, which is like <laughs> that's so Roger Moore that whole bit. The guy's even wearing makeup. <laughs> no, no, he, he looks a bit like he looks a bit like the guy from Cabaret a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's like Joel Grey has suddenly popped out of a coffin and just very yeah. nice. And and then you know the the the. The crowning turd in the water pipe for the Venice sequence is the double taking pigeon. Um, the gondola as it's going through the square, and then you you see the guy with the wine for the first time. Oh uh, yeah, I mean that guy. It's it's fun to have that guy show up, and and he will come back. Um, but yeah, it's, it's again, it's like yeah, you can. I don't mind a, a gondola that can have, you know, that can be a speedboat. I do mind a gondola that's chitty chitty bang bang. Yeah, I do. I think that I just think adding that to it because the chase sequence is pretty good. Like you know, the moment you have like a boat chase through Venice, it's always going to be very exciting. But I think they just take, like you said, they Venice take- is Venice is the world's greatest film set. You could film almost anything in Venice and it'd be good. You could film an insurance commercial in Venice and it would be good. Yeah, <sighs> Venice. But <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I, I just it 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 fails. It consistently fails to live up to um, what there clearly is a good film lurking there, and there clearly is like a a classy Bond film lurking in there because they get Dame Shirley Bassey back to do the song for the last time. They have it's yeah. a good song. They have a great cast. It's Bernard Lee's last film. Roger Moore is still young enough to plausibly play the part. And, and just have, with a bit of tweaking and with a bit more restraint, yeah. this film could have been as good as, well, maybe not as good, but could have been in the same league as A Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah, I mean, that nearly was his last Bond film. That that nearly was the last one. What, Moonraker? Yeah, well, I mean, there was like a big three-year gap between Moonraker and Four Year Eyes Only where they weren't sure if they were going to get Roger Moore back and they were looking at other people like Timothy Dalton, but he was too young. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember you mentioned that. I mean, I think they probably should have made this his last one. It just um, felt like the ending when he's, you know, take me around the world, James. If that was his last one, that was kind of a nice little way when he'd like, sit, you know, the ship goes off into the sunset. You know, I think that was a nice little ending and stuff. Yeah. Um, but it, it does have this thing where it tries to replicate the success of The Spy Who Loved Me, but they, they just some of the choices that they made didn't quite work. They, they tried to follow the same sort of narrative and adding a sci-fi twist to it. And Hugo Drax and, and uh, you know, Kurt, Kurt Jurgens, what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Stromberg. Stromberg, Carl Stromberg, yeah. Yeah, Carl Stromberg's character, they both have these same ideas, like one wants to, you know, create a world where everyone lives underwater and the other guy wants to, you know, wipe out everyone on Earth using like a biological weapon and then have like a master race to come back into Earth when everything's fine to you know, start all over again. So, I mean, those yeah, are... I mean, and, and I think it's I think it's worth pointing out that, you know, they're still only in their first decade of, like, post... In fact, they're only... Because Diamonds Are Forever is the last Spectre uh, yeah. movie. And every single Bond film, except Goldfinger, up to that point, had been about the same baddies. It had always been Spectre. It had always yeah. been Blofeld. And this is the fourth film since then and they've tried so they've tried you know drug dealers in this sort of black exploitation movie in live and let die which we'll come to they yeah. tried the international assassin dude and then they're like okay well let's try and do and that didn't really that doesn't really work so they go back to let's do specter without doing specter yeah and so they get these bad guys with these huge global like visions dangerous billionaires essentially and and yeah. i think they work really well as like bodies for, the mix, for the for the late 70s or because they are like who doesn't love of a, a weird supervillain who's got loads of money and who's got this like crackpot vision about a world i mean and it is like elon musk it is like some of these people you see out there in the world who are just like off the fucking chain and like, imagine uh, elon musk or even jeff bezos they have all these schemes or bill gates who's trying to find a cure for the coronavirus and everything like that or funding for Right. You can say, yeah, if they, if they were just a little bit more mad, uh, you know, they could do all sorts. Of, they could wreak all sorts of havoc. The um, so I think there's these is a good. This is a good villain type, and, and actually, you know, we talk about this. I think there, there's the stereotype of the Bond villain is still this like supervillain with a with a crazy headquarters who wants to yeah. wipe out the world. But, but it's it's funny when you look at it how few of the Bond films actually have that plot. Um, yeah. A lot of them do end up being about diamond smuggling or, um, you know, uh, drug dealing or revenge or whatever else, um, or you know, playing cards or something. You know, so I think this buying oil in the desert, <laughs> right? Like this is um, 
this becomes this um you know this the stereotype and i feel like the spy who loved me is the peak of that the spy who loved me is is one of the very best Bond films, I think, because it gets that formula right, and it gets Roger Moore right. And as you say, yeah, they try it again with this and it just doesn't come off. And I think I think the choices that they make ultimately are, it's too, they try and have too many laughs and, yeah. they, try, and they go to space. And I think if they just weigh, just pulled the, I, I don't, and I really don't want to come across the guy as the guy who says, oh, there shouldn't be humor in Bond films, because they really should. Bond films should yeah. be fun. Just a little bit less, in this one and and then like leave the space thing mm. like d don't do that and um so yeah so that, those are my thoughts um do you want to do some fun features yeah what do you think of um the character what was her what's her characters who's the actress that plays her uh lois childs as dr holly goodhead goodhead <laughs> It's um, a lot of jokes about that. <laughs> yeah, she's not. Um, she's not brilliant. Um, there she's are sort of step down from the last Bond girl. Right. I mean, the lot we had Barbara back last time is a lot to live up to. So, yeah. um, no, I'm not like particularly interested. I mean, she's not as bad as Tanya Roberts, but she's close. <laughs> yeah. No. She. Oh no. No. She's really not as bad as Tanya Roberts. She's. She's yeah. way way less bad than that yeah um she has but, some charisma but i think there is like i don't know a bit of pairing with roger moore doesn't quite i don't know the chemistry isn't quite there i think maybe a few more rehearsals i don't know I don't, i'm not quite sure well anyway um so what do you uh, think like is it it's michael lonsdale as drax yeah lonsdale is good in everything um and he's really i think he's a he's a good good choice uh, he plays the villain really well. His little suits are evoked, you know, they evoke both Stromberg and Blofeld. Um, he's younger than Stromberg and he has this, um, he has a sort of chill about him that's very um, menacing. Um, yeah. No, I, I like him a lot. He could use better help. I think yeah. his henchman could use some work, but... Um, also, I love when he's about to go and he has many moments where he's like, I feel like I've killed Bond this time, and he's going to burn in that little room underneath the rocket. Uh, Drax, did you put him in the room with the vent or the room without the vent? <laughs> <laughs> like, if only Bond villains, if they just waited just a few more seconds, just to yeah. Make well, it's like the Aust it's it's the Austin Powers thing, isn't it? Just just go in there and shoot him with a gun. Like, I got a gun. I'm gonna go in there. Bam! Both of them dead. We can take care of it. <laughs> yeah. All right, zip it. And, and the uh, and the and yeah, there, there's so many instances in this film where Bond is, it's getting. They're trying to kill him in these elaborate ways. Um, but I need to go. So can we talk about the the fun things we always talk about? Yeah. What's uh, if you were going to recast someone, who would you recast? Uh, good question. I would do. I'd probably uh, ultimately. Um, recast the Bond girl because the problem is it's not the cast that are really the problem here it's um it's the story because everyone is good in their roles yeah so uh, I guess I guess Lois Charles is the is the weak link so I guess I just like put um you know a, a great 70s actress in there in her place like you know uh Faye Dunaway <laughs> why I'll not Faye Dunaway as well 
You were going to say that? Yeah, I was thinking Faye Dunaway too. Well, there we go. So that's official. So we're casting Faye Dunaway in this role, and she's going to make this. Uh, she's yeah. going to add even more class to this film. Yeah. yeah. What I mean, just getting just quick. I like the Shirley Bassey song. I think it's a big. I think it's the, that and Goldfinger are my favorite of the songs that she did. I'm not a huge fan of the Diamonds Are Forever song, and she nearly did uh, the song for Quantum of Solace. Oh. Yeah, there's a song of hers that that's it. That, I can't remember the album, but it's on. It came out in 2008, and someone I might link the YouTube link in the in the episode link um, of for for this, and someone used the title sequence from Quantum of Solace and puts the song that she did underneath, and it works a lot better. Also because it doesn't. It's not called Quantum of Solace, but in the lyrics, you know, it, it's like where is the solace or something like that. But it's it feels part of the song. The quantum, yeah, the, the quantum of solace, or something like that. But no, the song is called oh, no "Good About Goodbyes," and it's just the lyrics fit more in with the tone and of what they were trying to do with "Quantum of Solace." Interesting. Yeah, I might link the. I might send you the song. It's actually really good, and uh, I, I like Shirley Bassey a lot. Um, favorite location. I I was going to ask you oh, that. Okay. Take it in turns. Um, <laughs> It's a uh, favorite location. What's your favorite location in this film, Andy? Uh, Brazil. Where would you like to go on holiday? Brazil. Ah, oh, shit. Maybe not uh, at the moment, but at some point when things have quietened down in the corona field, maybe Brazil. Yeah, you, so you're off to Rio. I will go to Venice then. When... Yeah, I'll be uh, dancing on the sand. Mm -hmm. At a safe distance. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What uh, uh, what other things do we do? Silliest bit. Uh, probably the double take pigeon. For me, I cannot get over the uh, laser battle. It's just so like. <laughs> Yeah, it's, just, it's a year after Star Wars, and and it's so it the aesthetics is so naff. Like it's all these shiny, like squeaky, like. But it's like so it's like someone's playing yeah. with like figurines. It's like. <laughs> yeah, it really, it really, yeah, it feels like it's like the opening sequence of a Toy Story film. Um, so that's my super. So. Actually, uh, my other second stupidest moment is the bit when he throws the Asian henchman into the piano, and then he's like, "Play it again, Sam." What's your best bit? Um, I think it's the um, the the whole um, the menace around Jax's manor house, um, yeah. and and, the, and that culminates in the death of that that woman. Um, yeah, that that the thing that that's like. It makes us really dislike him. Uh, it makes him seem really dangerous and. Um, and Bond gets to be cool in that bit because he's... Yeah. yeah. I, so I like the introduction to Drax where he's just playing the piano and he has the dog surrounding him and had a very had a very kind of Hannibal Lecter-esque feel about him. Like, yeah, yeah, he's like this idea of a villain who's gifted and surrounded by animals. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's brilliant. What about you? Siege of Mr. Bond. Make sure that some harm comes to him. Yes. Was my Michael Longstale impression. But, What's your favorite bit? Uh, favorite bit, favorite bit. I think it's the cable car sequence because it adds that kind of vertigo element to it with you know the stuff they did on sets and stuff. I think it's really, I think it's a good sequence. Yeah, I mean it's it's um, 
and you we love anyone who loves where he goes there wants to have a cable car sequence in the film so yeah. i'll give you that one so what are we giving it i think probably for me it's a two and a half martini movie yeah i think it's like two and a half close to like three martinis for me i think it's 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 like watching it again i was kind of expecting myself to watch it and feel like oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be like a really slow watch. And I watched it and I was like, it's not as bad as I thought it was. I mean, it's not Mutual Curl or Octopussy. It's, it's fine. It, it's, it's not yeah, it's, it, is, it, is, it is better. It is pretty much the average in terms of the Roger Moyer. It is, and it might even be slightly better than average. So. Yeah. But we sh I can't wait to talk about uh, the next one because I think, as I say, I think The Spy Who Loved Me is truly up there with the best. Great Bond film. I can't wait to talk about it. But yeah, so that's been us talking about Moonraker. So yeah, if you haven't seen it for a while, do check it out. See what you think. Oh, and let's pour out a glass for Bernard Lee because this was his last Bond movie. Too. Yeah, this was his last film. Yeah, he um, he was a great M. It was, yeah. his, his presence is very much missed in For Your Eyes Only. Yeah, no, and it's, um, yeah, he, he was his absolute legend of the of the of the series so yeah. all right we'll leave it there i'll uh i'll see you soon yeah see you soon we'll be back to talk about the spy who loved me so yeah have a good day everyone stay safe bye bye stinging in the rain that's not funny 007 where's your butler friend oh he blew a fuse shocking Where's Drax? Oh, he had to fly. Positively shocking. You missed Mr. Bond. I think he got the point. Right idea, Mr. Bond. But wrong pussy. You're not thinking that. I sure am, boy. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond. I expect you to die. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. It's so Smith and Wesson. And you've had your six. Here's two eyes.